Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Businesses count on IT heroes to save the day every day. And whether you're going into your office or working from home, you need an integrated PC solution. You need the unrivaled, built-for-business PC platform that gives you performance, security, manageability, and stability for your entire PC fleet. The Intel vPro platform. It helps you take care of business and can remotely update, restore, and secure your PCs even if a system is outside of the firewall. Intel vPro. Built for what IT heroes do. Built for business. No product can be absolutely secure. Learn more at intel.com slash IT heroes. Hi, folks. Another week of news to make sense of. President Trump's interview with George Stephanopoulos is making waves. The Office of Special Counsel has called for the removal of Kellyanne Conway. The Office of Legal Counsel is backing Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin in resisting a House request for the president's taxes. And Michael Flynn has hired a fierce Mueller probe critic as his new defense attorney. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down the news and take stock of what's happening. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, become a member at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We haven't really talked a lot about this person, I don't think. I don't think we've ever spoken about her. Kellyanne Conway. She has a lot of roles. Her job title is counselor to the president, I believe. Um, she was obviously a, a chief spokesperson for the president. And the, the principal thing that she appears to do is talk on behalf of the president on television. And fight with her husband on Twitter. Well, that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's an official job. They don't job. Really fight on Twitter. He says a lot of things that are very interesting. And he's a, and he's a smart person. And he's a, a really, really, really strong anti-Trump critic Twitter. of the president. Mm-hmm. Um, I retweet him often because he also does a good analysis of the various statutes and the Mueller report and everything else. Uh, I don't think he mentions his wife, but it's, you might a, be right. it's, a, it's an odd circumstance. And I don't know that he's commented on this. But there's this office, not to be confused with the special counsel's office, which no longer exists, that was run by Bob Mueller, but there's the United States Office of Special Counsel, OSC, which is an independent federal agency that basically is an ethics oversight watchdog entity that, among other things monitors and tries to punish violations of something called the Hatch Act, which, by the way, the Hatch Act, for a long time I thought it was named after Orrin Hatch. I did. The senator from Utah, who has been around, is no longer in the Senate, replaced by Mitt Romney. It is actually named after Senator Carl. Who knew there were two Hatches? Senator Carl Hatch of New Mexico back in 1939, which attempts to limit the political activities of federal employees. You and I have both been federal employees at various times. And there were lots and lots of things that we were not allowed to do. In essence, the Hatch Act restricts the political activity of individuals other than, there's one exemption, or two exemptions, two exemptions. other than the president and the vice president employed or holding office in an executive agency other than the government accountability office. So if you're the president, the vice president, you can do or say whatever you want. Because they have to run for re-election. Yes. And because they're part of the 
political apparatus of their party. Their but if leaders. you're a counselor to the president or a chief of staff to the vice president or a United States attorney or an assistant U.S. attorney or, you know, anyone else. Anyone who works in the federal government, there, there are certain partisan political act. Obviously, you have the right to vote and you have the right to give money. And, and you have the right donations. to campaign. You just can't use your... Official title. Exactly. Yes. And the, the, right. The point is you can't use your official title, role, station, and all the power that that office brings. To support a political candidate. Right. So if I went on my Twitter account when I was United States Attorney, and those things were monitored very, very carefully. Now I spout off because who cares? I'm a private citizen, and I have this great podcast with you. But when I was in office, or when you were in office, if I started making endorsements or criticizing uh, people in connection with an election, they would have shut down my Twitter account in about four seconds, and I would have been accountable to the Office of Special Counsel in a very, very serious way. Yes. It's worth noting, I remember... When I first got to the Department of Justice, there was an entire presentation, a lecture on the Hatch Act. And basically, they scare you, right? And, you know, they basically make it clear. You can vote. You can even go out and go door-to-door canvassing for a political candidate. But you can never tell anyone that you work for the United States government. And you can't mix your business with your personal. So particularly where, for example, on Twitter, if you use your Twitter account for business purposes, you can't go out and start you know, retweeting political campaign things. You're crossing a line. And so the idea is just to keep politics out of the federal government. And there's a good reason why. I mean, you can imagine, and this is how it started, that, you know, if you've got federal employees who are out campaigning for an elected official, it has the imprimatur of the government. And there's a lot of power and influence that goes with that. And so they keep it out. I had to sign something. And I bet Kellyanne Conway had to sign something too. I had to sign a document saying that I understood the restrictions of the Hatch Act. It's not just because the official could then have an undue influence, but it also will result in the undermining of the credibility of that public official too. It's actually for the public official's own good. Yes. You know, there's similar restrictions, not in the Hatch Act. I also could not, for good reason, endorse the product and tell people, you know, buy Aquafina. Buy, aqua, buy, <laughs> buy Aquafina, you know, using my, I could tell people. Did you, know, you just informally. wear Aquafina t-shirts under I, your suit I, when you were I, doing press conferences? I, Subtle product I, placement? Yeah, no, I did not do that. Um, yeah, because you're not supposed to use the official power of your office and title and influence of your office. It's another different, you know, situation. But for the same reason that if I got stopped by a cop, if I was speeding, it was a no-no to roll down the window and before they asked me for my license and registration, explain to them that I was the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York. I feel like this is a setup because you know I was stopped when I was aging. <laughs> well, I didn't know you were going to tell the story, but I, I <laughs> hoped I hoped I you feel, might. I feel I've been set up, ladies and gentlemen. So of wait the a audience. minute, you 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 were. I were was you driving my 19, I think it was a 1993 Honda. This was in 2007, I think. Um, Good car. And great car. Um, we only got rid of it when my son was born because we were trying to understand how to put a car seat in. And someone said to us, you know that cars before 1996 don't even have modern safety restraints. Like you cannot <laughs> put a baby in this car. Yeah, I was running errands in the morning before work and I, I had full-time state trooper protection, but I, I only used them for my official duties. I would never use them for my personal errands. So I was out in my car rushing to get back. I don't want to say I was caught in a speed trap, but, you know, <laughs> I would just say wow. it was a little bit. <laughs> wow. I was guilty, but I was guilty. I was guilty. Um, the people who caught you okay, in the quote-unquote speed story. trap yeah. are, in fact, your underlings. Yes. Yeah, so this is a great story. You're so their boss. I'm their boss. So the, okay. the AG in New Jersey is the chief. This is taking a turn I didn't expect, but I'm going to walk right into it and be transparent. Um, the AG is the chief law enforcement officer and has authority over every police officer and prosecutor in the state. So an officer pulls me over. My immediate reaction is, 
I can't let him know who I am, right? That basically like, I'm just going to take the ticket. So usually, you know, I talk to everyone, pretty social. I literally take my driver's license and registration out of my thing and I just hand it to him. Like I'm not even making eye contact. At the same time, he goes back to check my license. I immediately send a note to the troopers who were with me because they had my registration and license on alarm. So they would find out if anything happened to me first. They always want to make sure that, you know, what if I was in an accident? They would want to find out. So if someone runs it, they know. Exactly. So they would get pinged. So I basically send a note saying, I just got pulled over. I'm fine. Don't do anything. Right. Not that I thought they would, but you have to be really careful. And the guy comes back and says, you were speeding. Here's your ticket. I say, thank you, officer. I appreciate it. I get in my car. I drive to work. And I basically say, I just got a speeding ticket. I'm going to pay it. By the way, we need to publicly announce it. Because well, that's amazing to me. And I tell the story about you to people when they want advice on how to be a leader and how to stay clear of trouble, that you proactively put out a release describing just, the incident. Yes, because we oversaw them. First of all, I needed to take responsibility because I oversaw the police officers. And it was honestly the first time I'd ever been given a speeding ticket in my whole life. And I was very so, upset so, about so it. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but I got a big one. <laughs> I made up for it by doing it when I was AG. Um, and so I put it out and actually my press guy who I love wrote, you know, I was stopped in my 1993 Honda, which led to a lot of very funny conversations about why I drove a 1993 Honda. And perhaps the funniest conversation came from Chris Christie, who has since said publicly He'd been stopped, but he had never said anything publicly. Said to me at one point, God, if I'd known how much good press you could get out of it, I would have, <laughs> I would have just told people. Um, but I did not do it to get good press. I did it because I was the head of the law enforcement community and I had to be forthright about it. Now, here's the other funny story, which I've never told, which is that I said to um, our communications director, I said, please call the chief. I don't want to do it, but please make sure that he knows we're about to release a statement. The chief of? of the chief of police yeah. of the department where it happened. I just didn't want them to be surprised, you know, caught off guard. The chief swears to my communications director that I had not been stopped. He swears. I would know about it. There's no way it happened. To the point where I had to give a copy of the ticket to the communications director to send it to the police chief, who then was deeply apologetic, which he shouldn't have been because it was exactly the right thing that happened. Subsequently, there was an item on the test for the new police officers that they had to identify the name of who the state AG was because clearly the guy had no idea who I was. But it's a great thing that he didn't know and I would have insisted on the ticket. And so he made my life better. Not to how, overly, do we, how do we get here from Kellyanne? Well, no, because I'll, I'll tell you why. And not to overly praise my co-host, but your instinct not to use your official position and not to try to get away with something that any ordinary citizen would not be able to get away with is exactly the kind of instinct that I think makes you a good person and a good leader and is exactly the kind of instinct that is utterly lacking in most members of the Trump inner circle, uh, including his family, including members of his cabinet, even though they, some of them have a billion dollars on the side anyway, think that office is for the perks and they exploit the perks and they're happy about the perks and they boast about the perks. It's not about the perks. It's about the service. And, you know, if, if more people, I think, had this point of view, I think they would get in less trouble. So now going back to Kellyanne Conway, we can talk about the particulars of what she's been accused of in terms of the violation of the Hatch Act. But the way I look at it, separate from those particulars, there's this defiant attitude on the part of Kellyanne Conway and others. And you can have disputes about each individual violation and whether or not it infringes on free speech or otherwise. But there's this attitude, which is very different from the one you just described, of entitlement 
and the laws don't apply to me, and the rules are stupid, and why should we follow them? I mean, you could make the argument. And that's that's in everything. It's not just in this. It's in the congressional subpoenas. Yeah, it's, it's, in, in, all, it's in all things. And look, you could make the argument that it's silly. You know, you're the attorney general of the state, and it's important for you to be able to get to someplace on time, and it's absurd. You could make this argument, and it's absurd that you would be stopped and get a speeding ticket, and it's, it's silly they work for you. I mean, I think that's what Donald Trump would say. But you don't make that argument. And if you think a rule is not good, or you think a law shouldn't be applied to you, then make an argument change for the changing law. the law. Exactly. Change the law, as opposed to, after the fact, say, well, that's kind of stupid, and we're just going to do what we want to do. Um, and it may look, there, there are some laws and rules that are maybe not perfectly calibrated and that are incorrect and maybe go too far. But that's not the issue I have. The issue I have is they seem not to care. They seem actually, I'm going to, I don't curse that often. They seem not to give a shit at all about what the rules are and think that they should be able to do what they want to do, whether it's about taking foreign uh, help uh, in connection with an election or being able to say political things on your basically official Twitter account to any one of a number of other things. And that's the thing that makes people like you and me crazy and reasonable even, people upset. I think it's even worse than that in some ways, if that's possible, because they think the rules and the laws don't apply to them, but they're quick to point out that they should apply to other people or quick to try to hold people accountable when it suits their political purpose. Also, what message does it send to every federal employee? And there are hundreds of thousands of them across the United States. What does it send that... People are fired for this on one violation. People are forwarded to the Merit Systems Protection Board, and they adjudicate these violations. People are held accountable. People have been terminated for this before. And so this wasn't the first time this had happened. She had been warned in 2008. There were multiple instances on Twitter, in public interviews, and they haven't corrected it, and they've had repeated conversations. And so it is thinking that you're above the law and thinking that the law applies to everyone but you that is just, it is so deeply problematic. And one of the things I found really fascinating by the report that went out, they basically say, we've never had to do this with someone who works in the White House. Essentially, they've never gone to the White House presidents of both parties and said, there's a problem with one of your employees violating the Hatch Act and not had it immediately corrected or resolved. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and become a member. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work. 